Hello and welcome to Making Media Now, the Filmmakers Collaborative podcast. I'm your host, Michael Acevedo. Joining me on this episode are three representatives from a unique and inspiring organization called Smooth Feather Youth. Smooth Feather Youth is a nonprofit that was founded in 2017 by one of my guests, Silas Haggerty. After founding Smooth Feather, Silas has been collaborating with many inspiring filmmakers, musicians, graphic artists, and outdoor enthusiasts to create a wide variety of programming for youth. In 2012, Silas moved back to his home state of Maine and bought the old theater in Keezer Falls, which had been a passion of his to restore. This 1880s theater is now a venue for all of Smooth Feather's youth programming, and it's also a location for many events they host for the entire community. Recently, members of Smooth Feather's Youth Film School competed a short film called The Queen of Hearts. The film premiered at a sold-out showing at the Nickelodeon Cinema in Portland, Maine, as part of the Maine Film Association's 72-hour Winter Film Challenge. Two students, James Wing, who directed the film, and Cassidy Shea, one of the film's stars, joined Silas Haggerty to speak with me about the filmmaking program and what it took to write, cast, shoot, and edit a film in 72 hours. Making Media Now is sponsored by Filmmakers Collaborative, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting media makers from across the creative spectrum. From providing fiscal sponsorship to presenting an array of informative and educational programs, Filmmakers Collaborative supports creatives at every step in their journey. For more information, visit filmmakerscollab.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, follow, and share. And now on to my conversation with Silas Haggerty, James Wing, and Cassidy Shea. Hello and welcome to Making Media Now. And on this episode, I'm chatting with uh, three filmmakers uh, who are part of a really special program that comes to us from uh, Porter, Maine, under the direction of one of our guests, Silas Haggerty, who is the founder and director of an organization called Smooth Feather Youth. In addition to providing lots of um, really life-enhancing activities for for youth, um, really vibrant uh, arts organization, um, folks who are familiar with not just this podcast, but Filmmakers Collaborative in general, and the Boston International Kids Film Festival, which is put on by Filmmakers Collaborative, uh, have very likely seen some of smooth... Smooth Feathers work um, at the Boston International Kids Film Festival. I know that uh, a contingent of folks from Smooth Feather uh, came on down last fall, and it was really great to uh, to have them. So, Silas Haggerty, thank you for joining me tonight, and uh, it's good to see you. Yeah, thank you. We're honored to be here. And also with Silas uh, is the director of a a short film that was that was put together by Smooth Feather, and it was part of a seventy two hour film challenge that was uh, hosted by or initiated by the uh, Maine Museum of Fine Art. Uh, it was actually their winter film cha- challenge, and the um, the entry from Smooth Feather was called Queen of Hearts. And it was directed by one of our other guests, James Wing. James, welcome. 
Thank you for having me. And also with us is one of the stars of the film who did a, uh, a really great job, a quite enchanting performance, uh, Cassidy Shea. Cassidy, welcome. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate being right here and being able to talk to you. Okay, well, it's it is our pleasure. So first, I'm going to talk kind of broad, and then we'll um, and then we'll get down to talking about how do you make a film in 72 hours because that is no small feat. I don't care how short or long your film is; it's that that time goes by. It probably feels like 72 seconds. There's so, there's so much involved with filmmaking. But Silas, let's step back just for a minute and uh, share with our listeners how Smooth Feather Youth and and, and the filmmaking component of uh, Smooth Feather Youth uh, came about and what, what the vision was that you had and how you've been able to nurture it over the years. If I, if I remember correctly, uh, the organization has, has been around for a decade or so. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Um, and it all, a big part of the story starts when I decided to buy an old movie theater, uh, built in 1880, uh, in my hometown of Keezer Falls called the Keezer Falls theater. Um, and I, that had been dormant for, I don't know, I'd say early seventies, it closed as a theater. Mm -hmm. And I was making a documentary called Dakota 38 at the time, which I spent about eight to 10 years making. Um, and we were looking for places to premiere that. And my dad said, what about showing it in the old theater in town? And I said, what old theater? I didn't even know that there was a movie theater there. Um, cause it had been a furniture warehouse and all sorts of things. So that started this kind of epic journey of me then connecting with the uh, older gentleman, Phil Welch, who owned the theater. And then eventually, uh, I, I bought it from the Welch family a couple of years later. And, uh, and so it kind of became this real passion of mine to restore this old theater um, and hold community events there at this old, I mean, it's got a balcony, a stage, it's got the old projectors, all the old posters were still up. It was like a total time capsule when you went in there and being a filmmaker, I was just losing my mind. Like literally two 35 millimeter projectors are still in the projector booth. So, um, so then we renovated over a course of 10 years. We had lots of volunteer parties and gatherings to bring this old theater back to life. Now we host different community events. And then the film school kind of just grew out of that evolution of, of, me being a filmmaker and then wanting to kind of pass the knowledge and, and just connect with a lot of my best friend filmmakers come all together and then the youth in the community to make films. So that's kind of how it was the quick story of how the film school came to be. Where did the drive to become a filmmaker, where did that originate for you? In the basement of a, of a library at the university of Vermont. And I had to make a day in the life of movie of myself. And there are these red rocks for anyone knows up in Burlington. Um, there's these cliffs that you can jump off of into the Lake Champlain. And it was a, one of the first movies I'd made. And I was sinking Aerosmith's sweet emotion to my foot, leaving the cliff and jumping through the air in slow motion. And I never, I was all dorked out on an editing station. It's like my first time ever editing something. And I just finally got it right where like my foot took off from this cliff and I was sailing through the air and it was right to that, like sweet emotion that, you know, awesome Aerosmith song. So I got it lined up and then all of a sudden I got this ch crazy chill up my spine. I was like, what is this? Um, and you know, I'm, I was a big, um, big athlete. And that's one of the reasons I went to UVM is to play soccer. And I'd never felt anything. It felt like I'd scored a goal or it was like this crazy rush of adrenaline, um, 
for, for making this, uh, you know, a little film. So that's kind of where it started in that basement. And then from then I just kind of have been continuing to make films since then. Uh, had you considered yourself a, uh, like a film buff or a, a film aficionado up to that? Point? No, not at all. <laughs> I still am not a film buff <laughs> by any stretch. So yeah, just, just love it though. It's a, uh, it's a great, it's kind of the best way that I can express an emotion. You know, I can talk about something, mm-hmm. but then if, then if I were to play you that clip right now, I feel like it would be the best way that I could convey and, uh, convey something. So it's like a really powerful way to, to, to speak. I find filmmaking. It's really beautiful. So you buy the theater and in time that allows you to sort of establish this, this film school. And so for, for James and, and Cassidy, um, each of you live also in what I'm going to assume is pretty rural Maine. Am I correct in that assumption? I have two. Oh yeah. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. So, uh, James, tell me how you grab, how, first of all, you found out about, um, uh, the smooth feather organization. Um, and what was it about what it offered that seemed appealing to you and, and made you want to become part of it? All right. So first time I was introduced was in English class, my junior year of high school. So Silas came to us with an idea of like getting the youth involved like directly from the high school mm-hmm. and specifically our class because he knew our teacher, Mr. Murphy. So he gave us a prompt to get in touch with like ourselves and just like learn more about it. And then we did the prompt. I actually got lucky because I was like third or fourth on the list and people, for- unfortunately for them, didn't get a chance. They didn't want to do it. But I'm like, this guy's crazy. I want to do it. It's once in a lifetime opportunity. So that's really what compelled me. I'm like, Silas's craziness was the hook. Yes. I get it. <laughs> like this guy's crazy. He has too much energy. I'm like, I just want that in my life. So I just like once in a lifetime opportunity to do it. And I'm still here. So I, it was a good experience. And I'll ask you the same question that I asked Silas. Did you consider yourself, were you a film buff? Were you someone who was always watching movies or uh, did you ever make your own videos or, or movies up until that point? I don't really watch movies. That's the thing. So it was like a new experience, hmm. but I got a hang of it because the first film we did, I was behind the camera and then I still technically was for the second one, but I learned a lot and I made connections and like our circles in the morning that Silas did was basically just reinviting that prompt from English class, like opening everyone up to their emotions, which connected to the films. Sure. Cause it yeah. brought out life. And Cassidy Shea, as one of the actors in uh, queen of hearts, uh, how did you get involved in this film in particular and maybe um, find out about and get involved in the whole organization, the, um, smooth feather organization so there's a very very long story to go along with silas haggerty and his little band of kids to make film (laughs) but um the how i found out about the organization is that i knew that there was a theater like my father always talked that there was an old theater in like the 1800s but i never knew it was actually active until like james said he came to our uh, english class And, uh, he, I remember this distinctly. He asked, if you were to make a movie, what would you want it to be about? 
And uh, right after it was in the era of we're just getting out of quarantine, we're just reinstating new habits, we're just like learning, relearning how to interact with each other because of uh, social distancing, masking Mm -hmm. and all that um, health precautions. And um, I wanted to write about mental health because of how much of an effect it has on our mental youth and uh, how it affects um, others like me in my community because um, it's just we've never gone through anything like it in our lifetime. So it's just like writing about how the effects are on our youth and how to uh really support them and throughout our community, like not be afraid to have those talks, mm-hmm. but how I got involved. Cause I directed, uh, the shadows we speak. I got into that. And then ever since then, he's just been like, Hey, look, I'm doing this 72 hour challenge and I want you to act. And I was like, Whoa, this is a lot for me because I've never acted. I've always been behind the camera and making film. And I was like, I mean, this is kind of a once in a lifetime thing. And I'm like, all right, why not? And the topic really spoke to me. So I definitely wanted to try to play a part of it. So you you mentioned the topic. So just um, to inform our our listeners, James, if you could give a brief synopsis of what the plot of the film is. So the plot of the film really came together with the group of like, the people that had more experience than me. So Silas and everyone just got into a circle with the chaperones, technically I should say. We are like, what do we want this to be about? And we're like, we have Cassidy because she has her own life experiences. And we're like, what can we build off of? Like I said, we like have those um, prompts as our circles to open up. We're like, and the whole goal of Smooth Feather is to make a movie that opens people up to see something. Mm-hmm. So we're like, what can we open up to have to show the community that there's something we need to fix or something that this we should think we should show. So Silas is like, let's get on this idea and we can use Cassidy's kind of life choices to like make a outstanding film. That's where it came from. Okay. And the plot really came from, I don't know if Cassidy, are you okay with me talking about it or do you yeah, want to Yeah, it's completely fine. <laughs> Would you like to take the reins and just explain it? Yeah, we can have yeah, Cassidy it's... tell Cassidy's story. <laughs> yeah, I'll take or it. As much of it as you're comfortable telling, Cassidy. Yeah, of course. Um, so the story really isn't about uh, me. It's more, we got the genre about a film noir and how we have to portray a deck of cards and a the phrase, it's not what it looks like. So that was the whole challenge itself. And the film noir, uh, we were trying to make it less gritty, I guess. So it's not so much about like the drugs and the like killing people, but it was more about like social topics. And um, for being one of the only out lesbians in my community, we decided that we wanted to do um, women's rights and women's rights for uh, lesbian or gay people in the 1940s, I believe. Mm -hmm. So that's how the topic really came about and how reinstating um, like how it actually was to not be able to be seen in that time period and how sometimes it's like that now. Mm -hmm. So that's really 
kind of the whole point and the plot of the movie is um, following this one character who is dubbed the Queen of Hearts and she works as a uh, projectionist and she's secretly gay and secretly making these films and you have to flash a card to get into um, the meeting to talk about women's rights and not only women's rights, but um, lesbian and gay rights as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and sadly, she plays one of her uh, works in the theater with a whole crowd of people. And um, she gets arrested as her film is playing. And that's kind of like a sense of pride that we wanted to instill in youth that it's okay to be yourself. We wanted to interpret the uh, character getting arrested to um, kind of like, there was a statement that we said in the circle, like, the good guy is winning, but he really isn't, or she really isn't. Say more because about she's, that. When you're winning, but you're really not, um, she's winning because she's playing what she's worked on and she's dancing with this other woman, which was really taboo back then. Sure. Um, and she is playing what she loves and what she's worked on. But as she's playing it in the theater, there's obviously outrage and people who don't agree with that. So as she is playing it and getting arrested, it's that I've worked hard for this and it's okay that I am getting arrested because this is something that I've worked very hard for. It's something that I believe in. Sure. It's it's almost like she's, she's won that battle, but will she win the war, the ultimate war? Yeah, and with exactly. your film, with your film set in 1948, um, and it, you know, it, it's so, um, uh, realistically shot in black and white and you have, you know, you have some great music and some great costumes. Uh, the viewer can really imagine, you know, uh, the forces that would have been aligned against somebody who was simply trying to express who they are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just really, I loved playing the part, um, even though it was really out of my comfort zone, I really wanted to try and portray what I needed to get across to other people. It, it sounds like um, inching out of your comfort zone is one of the, the mantras <laughs> of smooth feather. Silas, would I be correct in making that assumption? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think there are two nights this past year where I haven't slept. And both of those nights were the nights before the film school started. <laughs> I was kind of like, you know, myself, you know, very nervous and like, oh man, there's so many moving parts and uh, so much excitement and adrenaline that comes with it. Um, and uh, yeah. And I think for me, one of my kind of things that I'm excited about is over the years of the film school, um, I think we're up to, I don't know, maybe six or so years that we've done it. Um, the, the goal for me is like, how much can I hand over the reins? Like how much can I step away and still have it function? Yep. But rather than answer the question or lurch forward, how much can I step back and say, Hey, like, what do you all think? Um, Mm -hmm. and that's a hard thing to do. Um, and I'm just continually inspired by, I mean, even hearing you guys speak right now, it's like, so inspiring. So, uh, this is why I'm in it to kind of give voice to the youth and really let them make the calls and, and, uh, let the circle, uh, decide where everything goes. Now, James and Cassidy, are you, you, are you both still in high school? Yes. Okay. What, what, what years may I ask James? 
I'm a senior. You're a senior in Cassidy? I am a senior as well. You're a senior also. Has this experience, and and I find it um, interesting, but uh, not all that unusual when I, when I speak to younger filmmakers often, and let me back up a second. Oftentimes when I speak to adult filmmakers or older filmmakers or more established filmmakers, I'll often ask them what their, you know, what film sort of inspired them or what, what filmmaker inspired them to become filmmakers. And they, they'll rattle off whatever they rattle off. But oftentimes when I'm speaking to younger filmmakers, I'm talking about, you know, people in their teens or early 20s. James, it's not unusual for me to hear things like, well, I don't really watch a lot of movies. <laughs> which, yeah. which is a kind of an interesting thing to me, you know. It's like, you know, someone who can easily lay up a three a three pointer, but doesn't really like basketball. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm curious. Uh, does this experience? How has it changed your appreciation for or interest in the art of filmmaking? And that's that's a question for uh, for both James and Cassidy. All right. Well, personally. I will, I never thought I'd ever be in a place where I'd be behind the camera or just be interacting with something like this. But I think the reason why I got so compelled, I really like it. I was, I've I've had nights where I'm like, do I want to go to film school? Do I want to be a filmmaker myself? Like on the side, like for fun, Mm -hmm. just like kind of instill something Silas has done because like, that's what I like the most. There's connections. There's people that you didn't know. Like the first film we made, I didn't know everyone as personally as I did now. And then the second film, we all had to sleep in the theater together. And like, we were ruckusing everywhere and we were just having a great time. Like it is super collaborative. That's for sure. Yes. And Cassidy, how about yourself? Is, is, is there a before and after story in terms of um, your impression of the filmmaking process and your interest in it? before getting involved with this versus now? Uh, Yeah, there's definitely a before and after story. (laughs) Um, So before I always, uh, my passion has been in the arts, no matter what I've taken um, uh, video production, I've taken um, our local TV production. So I've always known about uh, making film and make producing videos and all this but um, I never really knew the storytelling aspect that um, Silas taught me, I guess, and how to portray uh, different emotion and tell stories without, um, he says this one phrase, does it really carry along the story? Like if there's like this minor detail that people will obviously assume, mm-hmm. um, he always tells me that. And if it's unnecessary, if it's necessary, I will say, but it's just like, I've learned so much from it and, uh, considered like even minoring it when I go to college and pursuing a higher level of education. Um, but it's definitely affected me personally as, um, like, uh, growing my character, I guess. And like really stepping back to listen about other people. Cause I feel like we're so wrapped up in like, we have to work on this and we have to do this by this deadline instead of really, um, being collaborative with each other and listening to what others have to say. Silas, tell me a little bit about the parameters of the 72 hour film challenge. So at, 
at hour one, are you, you've got no script, you've got no story, you haven't shot a second of film. And then at hour 72 or 72 in one minute, <laughs> you, uh, you're done with post-production and you got a film to put out in the world. Am I, do I have that right broadly? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so it's put on by, it's actually, you had mentioned earlier, um, the MFA, there is that MFA you were talking about, but this is the main film association. So it's a nonprofit. Ah, okay. That's, that's, right. uh, but commonly making that uh, distinction. So, so the main film association kind of put this together this year for the first time. And, uh, and I'm friends with one of the organizers heard about it and said, Oh, this would be perfect for us. It's about half the time that we normally do our summer film schools in six days. So immediately we're kind of like, Oh, geez, like half the time that we normally have. And that is already kind of a time crunch. Um, and then at Thursday night at eight o'clock, you draw a genre out of a hat. So we pick film noir. Uh, we had to, you know, Google it and <laughs> look at the exact definition and see what we were all in for. Um, and then, you know, we have until Sunday night at 8 p.m. to finish it. Um, and we had a major curveball because uh, a few weeks ago, there was a massive storm. Um, many of you may recall mm -hmm. um, a big snowstorm. And so it happened that Thursday night into Friday. So on that Thursday, I was actually talking to my mother and I'm like, mom, if we, if we, uh, if we, what are we going to do? Because the kids, school's going to be canceled. I can't ask them to drive to the theater. So we're going to lose one of the three days. So we're going to lose 33% of our filming schedule. Um, and my mom was the one who's like, just have them go to the theater and camp out at the theater. They can sleep there. <laughs> And so at like, you know, four o'clock, I made this call like, Hey guys, who wants to sleep at the theater? And everyone's like, yeah, we're game. And so they brought their sleeping bags and brought all their stuff. And then we had this, you know, zoom meeting because of the weather. And, you know, we picked the genre and we were watching it on the big screen at the theater. And so it was a really epic way to start it and then literally sleep at the theater, wake up, have eggs, and then start making the movie the next morning with like a circle of like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to make this movie? And it was pretty overwhelming because, you know, the script writing process, usually we have more time to brainstorm and kick around ideas. It's just like tick tock, like every second, you know, that, absolutely. you know, so yeah, that was kind of a, in a nutshell, the structure. Yeah. And there's interiors, there's exteriors, there's seemingly multiple locations. Um, you know, it's a short, it's a short, but, but I will say that, you know, I, I often interview directors of shorts and their film, uh, took months, if not more time, to come together. Um, so applause to all of you for putting together a really uh, affecting uh, short film in that, in that short period of time. Uh, so Silas, one final question for you. I'm curious, you know, uh, Smooth Feather Youth is a nonprofit organization. So yeah. I'm curious what you find to be the most challenging part and the most rewarding part about running a nonprofit, particularly one that's oriented toward um, benefiting uh, youth? Yeah, well, I think, I think the most inspiring part for me is that at the end of the day, it's, it's never really about the film. It's about our circle that we have every morning and the film is this catalyst, you know, we have a deadline, whether it's in the summer or this winter film challenge we had where we're, we're making a film to, to show to our community and to show to, you know, anyone who's excited about what we're doing. So there's this element of service where 
we're all making a film in service of others um, about a message that we're inspired to tell or to portray. And through that process, a lot of times we have to get in touch with the things that we want to have happen in the world. Like what are, what are the things that we want to see happen in the world? And so that was the question, you know, James mentioned the prompt that I gave them all this past, this past uh, spring, which was, what do you want to have happen? And so we all talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, and so those kind of prompts will bring up very emotional things. I mean, last summer we had, you know, half of the circle was in tears one morning um, due to some heavy stuff that one person was dealing with just triggered all these intense emotions. And so in a moment like that, I'm like, this is the most important thing. You know, we're bonding, we're connecting, we're talking about some of our deepest, darkest secrets, emotions. Um, and with that connection, with that vulnerability, there's an amazing amount of power that then just kind of, after you've had a circle like that, and then you go to film something that has to deal with what you had the circle about, there's this kind of fearlessness and this, uh, yeah, it's love that kind of carries everybody and a vibration that you feel when you watch the movie. It's like, wow, you feel that because of the connection that all the filmmakers have with one another. And a few weeks ago, the film had its uh, debut uh, in Portland, Maine. Um, so now that that event has come and gone, um, are is, is the general public either through your website or through some, you know, through some other channel, are they, would, will they be able to see uh, queen of hearts. Yeah. So, um, I need to talk to James and Cass and the, the rest of the students. It's been kind of a whirlwind since we finished. Um, it's screened again at space gallery, or I think it's going to be in the next few days. Uh, so there's, there's a couple more screenings, uh, with the, M the main film association, um, of all the films that were made. So there were 18 films that were completed as a part of that, uh, winter film challenge. So it's kind of going on a tour with that. Um, and then we plan to release it soon. I'd love to have a screening at the theater in person. Um, I'm feeling optimistic that, you know, hopefully this spring slash summer, we're going to be able to have kind of a grand reopening at the theater, uh, the Keyser Falls Theater, where Smith Feather Youth is based out of. Um, it's been closed uh, for, you know, uh, since the pandemic began. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking about maybe holding off to have, I want to talk to the, uh, the students and everyone about when the best timing is, but hopefully we'll wrap it in with some sort of a, a premiere at the theater followed by an online release. So everyone can see it because there's, it's just a powerful film. I'm so proud of James. I'm so proud of Cass for kind of putting her story out there. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it gets me fired up every time I watch it. <laughs> yeah. Understandably, understandably. So if folks want to uh, learn more about the film and learn more about the film program, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. If you just go to smooth feather, like a bird, smoothfeather.org. Uh, that's the website for our nonprofit, Smooth Feather Youth. And uh, yeah, you can you can see past films. You can see, uh, you know, different programming that we have and uh, learn more about this old theater that I was telling you about. And you can see some pictures of it and see some uh, all sorts of things on there. So, you know, the, 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 the purchasing and the renovating and the revitalization of the theater itself sounds like a movie. <laughs> I know a lot of people have told me that you should, you should have filmed that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was like too busy with paint brushes and, you know, but, but yeah, there is, there's definitely a story uh, that's, that's a pretty awesome one about yeah. the whole process of the community kind of rallying behind this, 
this, uh, you know, as James said, crazy guy fixing up the old theater. There you go. Well, <laughs> James, maybe your next directing role can, you, you can start with uh, casting who can play uh, young and crazy Silas Haggerty. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great. I've been speaking with Silas Haggerty, who is the founder and the director of Smooth Feather Youth. And uh, him and his team of really talented young filmmakers made a film called Queen of Hearts, directed by James Wing, who has joined us, and among the really um, uh, talented actors that were in the film is Cassidy Shea, and she also was kind enough to spend some time with us to have this chat. So, thank you all, and uh, it's been it's been real fun chatting with you. Fantastic. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs>